fans, we are live! Hello, fiends, and welcome to Handle with Scare, presented by the Slashing Pat slash Incast Podcast Network. Our show discusses horror movies and the phobias that they emphasize. Uh, so tonight, as always, I am here with both of my co-hosts. We have Holly Hooch and John, and guys, we are in full swing talking about bugs in the genre uh, and, you know, we've had some very intriguing movies, and oh, we just lost your radio. Oh, you're back. That was quick. Uh, so, we've been kind of, like, all over the place, and tonight's selection is kind of one that is, uh, one of the more borderline in regards to maybe the phobia itself, but there are a lot of heavy themes in what we're going to be talking about tonight, for sure. Absolutely. I'm actually so excited to talk about this movie. This was my pick. So if anybody didn't like it, you know, we can take it outside because this happens to be a pretty goddamn good movie. And uh, I I felt really bad because last week I was talking a lot of trash about, um, shoot, what's her name? The actress from the last movie. Oh, uh, Je- Jennifer Con. No, that was Phenomena. Who's, what was the last movie? Oh, uh, well, it was uh, Mimic. Mimic. And oh, uh, Mira Servino. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay, okay. So I was talking a lot of trash about her because I didn't think she she did a pretty good job. And I was like, do I hate women? No, I do not. Because <laughs> Ashley Judge really rocked it in this movie. So let's get into it and talk. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm your host, Emily Drunk. And tonight uh, we are talking a film from a very notable director in the genre. Uh, but before we get into it, just a couple of podcast notes. We've been doing watch parties every Thursday night on Stream Lounge, uh, which is every Thursday at around 8.30 p.m. Pacific time. And tomorrow, we're going to be watching Puppet Master 2 after we watch the first one uh, this past week. And it, your new statuette? I, 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 I'll get into that in a second. Uh, but if you <laughs> if you haven't used Stream Lounge before, it is free to sign up with uh, you know, they can use like Netflix, uh, Shutter, and a couple of other like streaming services like Disney Plus, HBO Max, and it's free to sign up with as long as you have one of those active subscriptions. So join us there tomorrow for Puppet Master 2. Uh, and hopefully by the time we watch the third one, a week from tomorrow, I'll have my blade replica in. Cause I and if not, if I don't have it in by then, I'll just unbox it uh on the podcast. Video okay. whenever it does eventually get here. Uh, but anyway, so outside of that, you know, if you're looking to support the show, you can do a couple of different things. We do have our Patreon, uh, where we are starting at just one dollar a month, and we also have merchandise available to purchase via RT Public Storefront. Uh, so with that being said, you know, last week we sat down to discuss uh, why it's never a good idea to genetically engineer cockroaches uh, in Guillermo del Toro's Mimic. And tonight, you know, we throw it over to Holly for her pick. So, Holly, why don't you go ahead and introduce tonight's selection here? So, I, I was really excited that, well, in um, after the fact, I was excited to select the movie because I, when I watched it initially some five, six, seven years ago, I actually can't remember when I did watch it. I don't think I watched it when it came out because that one's like pretty, I mean, I know it was in the 2000s, but it feels very 90s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, uh, watching it again and then doing research about the movie, it just uncovers so much more about uh, just every every little like detail about it. And um, 
I don't know if I want to spill all the beans right now, but it's, I'm really excited to talk about all the different really uh, famous people that are that have their hands on this and how it's uh, I think it's a really incredibly good movie, but it, it's got really mixed reviews. Of course, there's a lot of people that hated it. There's a lot of people that loved it. And then ultimately, if I'm going to go ahead and give my judgment even before we get started talking, I think it's a great movie, but it was supposed to be a lot better. They're upset. Upset it. (laughs) So uh, I can give it back to you guys, or we can get right into a little bit of a synopsis. Well, I mean, it's important to note here we have the acclaimed director, William Friedkin, who did this, uh, Mm -hmm. who most people of the genre will know from The Exorcist. Uh, Outside of that, he did win an Academy Award for The French Connection. Uh, And this is actually based on a play of the same name. Uh, by Tracy Letts, uh, and, you know, he, Tracy came back to write the screenplay for the film and would actually go on to collaborate uh, with the director again on Killer Joe. Uh, now, what I love about, like, Sage Productions being made into, uh, you know, full-blown pictures is, you know, we have seen quite a few occasions where someone who was on a stage presentation reprising their role for the major film, and that was also the case with Michael Shannon, who would play the role of Peter Evans uh, when the play was in Chicago. Uh, but I, I believe, like, it basically played in, like, Chicago and uh, in New York, and also, like, overseas as well uh, in, oh, wow. e- in England. So it, it, it had a little bit of a run, but it wasn't, like, the most, like, like blown-up run, blown run uh, in regards to, like, stage productions being made into movies. Uh, but, you know, as you mentioned, Holly, like, this movie was... Not greatly reviewed when it came out. It was actually panned getting an F cinema score. Uh, Despite the fact that, you know, Roger Ebert, who often pans, you know, horror releases, gave it a 3.5 out of 4. So it didn't didn't necessarily have complete naysayers across the board. Uh, But, you know, that cinema score definitely hurts to see because I definitely did not think it was as bad as uh, what the initial release impressions were so first off i mean i would love to get just your initial impressions of like how was how did you react to the movie i the second time i watched the movie so let me interrupt you before i even let you let me ask you a question <laughs> ask, say something let me interrupt you. <laughs> i just wanted to i just wanted to add that uh, when i watched the movie i didn't know what i was getting into it was just like oh it's ashley judd and it's a horror movie i like this let's watch it and this was again like a lot many years ago and I was, by the end of the movie, I was gutted. It was, it was very, I thought it was very devastating. And of course, any, well, I don't normally look for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that, it, you know, any movie that can make you feel something. Oh, I sound so sad. Just <laughs> any movie that can make you feel something. I'm like, yay, good job. Thank you. So uh, I, that's why I was really excited about this movie. But watching it a second time, you already know what's happening. You already know what to expect. Like, um, I, it was, I was a lot more analytical the second time around, which is, of course, true about any movie. But it's some movies more so than others, right? Some movies you can just enjoy over and over again. Other movies, you get the full impact the first time you see it. And then in the subsequent viewings, it's, it's a lot more, uh, you're re- very removed from it. And again, if a movie like that is going to be so devastating, then it, it clearly isn't going to have that effect every time. Were you devastated? <laughs> Uh, I will say the last 20 minutes were probably the most impactful of the entire movie, just because you kind of have that, uh, 
like you you see like the deterioration of the mental state throughout the course of the movie but at one point they just completely buy into it and just lose complete insanity at that point so like the last 20 minutes especially when they were in the motel room and you have all the tinfoil everywhere uh and you're introduced to dr sweets who i'm not even convinced was an actual real person uh meth smoking or whatever it is that they were smoking i don't know i think he was was yeah yeah they they were they were hitting the pipe uh but you know there were just so many things that it's just like is this real a a lot of it was built up so much on the performances of the two main actors and i think without those two i probably would not have enjoyed it as much as i did but yes the the last 20 minutes was a definite definite like kick in the nuts for sure Mm. all right good i'm glad you got sad yeah (laughs) now that being said though i would not classify this as horror Mm. Oh, that's very, I mean, yes, it's, a, it's one of those movies where it's like, is it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I feel like horror is such a wide net. It is. That, um, I mean, considering the, the way that it ended and the, uh, the, the self-mutilation going on, the, the traumatizing stuff. I mean, it is very, very close to just being a thriller. Yes. But I mean, yeah, there's a little bit in there to hold mm-hmm. on to for horror, I think. Maybe bit. some psychological horror. Psychological horror, mm-hmm. you see? And that's the kind of shit we all live with. <laughs> yeah, every day. <laughs> every day, every day. <laughs> definitely, definitely a dark movie. I feel like, uh, just in a, to talk generally about it, I feel like negative reviews, mm. a lot of them probably came from the mo- fact that the movie was too successful at being this extremely dark and depressing depiction of two people basically going insane in a hotel mm. room. Um, and that it's so uncomfortable and dark that I think a lot of people were probably just like, screw this movie. You know, this sucks. I hate this. <laughs> well, I know I watched a bunch of reviews because there is an, an, a surprising number of reviews for this movie for it being so, you know, mixed reviews, negatively reviewed. And uh, the majority of them were really positive, but there were a number that were negative. Mm-hmm. And the ones that were negative were very, uh, very understandable. Like you had... Um, these were reviewers that were really hoping to see a bug feature. You know, they were hoping to see a lot of, of exciting. Uh, they were hoping for excitement, not for like get your box of tissues kind of fucking horror. So, uh, do you, I mean, I get that you're saying that you don't think it's a horror movie. And I feel like that's a completely legitimate feeling to have about it. But I feel like it. There's, you know, I, there's a lot of movies that ride that cusp. Mm-hmm. In fact, I feel that way a lot about like sci-fi horror, where I'm like just sci-fi but um i i i can see your point for sure and yeah it's definitely multi-genre what's funny is i looked online and uh as i'm sure we all did uh because i wanted to kind of see about the writing of the movie and the writer and what's funny is on google it the play is classified as a as a black comedy yeah and it's Hmm. like What's so funny about it, man? It's not a Can you point out the jokes? I get jokes. There's a couple of Michael Shannon moments. There's a couple of moments with both of them that are kind of funny where they do the almost like comical crazy person, but it only is for like brief flashes, you know? I'm wondering if the, the dark comedy bit comes from the type of acting that you're getting. So if you're getting more of like hammy acting in a play, then I can see it being like dark humor. But I mean, if if Michael Shannon was, uh, I, if he, if he was performing this play 
in in the in in state on stage and then in theaters or on on film. And if he played it the same way, then I'm not entirely sure that I I'm, I guess my sense of humor isn't that great. But um, I just uh, it's hard to call it a dark comedy, although because mm. even then it's like I'm trying to think of like what was so funny about it. But you know, like maybe the Ashley if if Ashley Judd's character was played by somebody who was playing it differently. Mm-hmm. That I can, I can, I can see it's all about like portrayal, right? Well, like there's those elements where you know you had the first interactions between Agnes and, uh, you know, you have Peter, and you know she doesn't really know the guy, but like she offers him like a place to crash, basically, even though he doesn't really, she doesn't really know him, and she's like, who knows, maybe you're an axe murderer. Because he does have that kind of look to him, right? Like, Oh, yes. I would never <laughs> let Michael Shannon into my home. Sorry, Michael Shannon. You're not allowed. But as with the depressing aspect of this movie, she's so lonely and mm-hmm. depressed that she's willing to take a chance and have him come and stay. Also, her friend brings him in. Yeah. That's not a great friend. Really? You met a stranger at a bar? The funny thing is, is the friend vouches for him, and yeah. then a, a few moments later, or a few minutes later, he says that he only he says that he only met the friend like a day yeah. before. So they'd only known each other very briefly, even though she vouched for him. Like you can't really vouch for somebody you just met a day ago. That's no, insane. Totally, yeah. And also, like nothing about him says this is a reliable, safe person. I mean, it's just that nothing. Like he doesn't even say that literally himself. You know, it's just mm-hmm. he's just sort of gentle somehow. And his personality, but well, yeah, he comes across as a, as like an intelligent person. First, he seems like kind of a smarter. Mm-hmm. Like he he doesn't seem like a bad guy right off the bat. No, so. well, he doesn't seem like a bad guy, but he definitely seems kind of comes across across as quite a bit damaged, and mm-hmm. so yeah, yeah. but really so is she. Right. I mean, they both are. <laughs> that great. Kind of every. This is one of those movies where everybody in the movie is yeah. damaged and messed they up. They help each other get to the lowest point possible and then mm. like kill each other. It, this movie. I, so I did see this back in 2006 when it came mm-hmm. out, and this was kind of. I always kind of associate this movie with uh, David Lynch. It feels <laughs> kind of like a David Lynch movie. But also, it came out, I believe, close to, I don't know, Firewalk With Me or something else. But I think there was some David Lynch stuff going on at that time, and it felt like that. He was busy doing other shit. But I think he would have done really great as a director of this. But yeah, and it feels like, I always get the sense that that's why this movie got made, or, you know... Because it wanted to have a David Lynch feel to it. Yeah, because that kind of thing was yeah. kind of popular back in the late 90s and early 2000s. It really was, actually. Yeah, I remember that. And it was kind of, I think they were kind of going for that. But you know what's interesting is um, this theater on, I can't remember the name of it, but it's in here in the city, San Francisco, uh, at California and Polk. And back... The Lumiere or... I think so. Yeah, the Lumiere, I think Lumiere. is what it's called. And back then they would play small independent movies and they would do like those screeners where you mm-hmm. come in and you watch the movie and then they have you take a, uh, you fill out questions after they ask you questions about the movie and you, and that was the, we went to that for, Ooh, for this movie. Neat. So it was kind of interesting because it felt, the questions after the movie felt a lot like how would you market this movie? Like, how would you describe this movie kind of thing? 
what they were vaguely what they were asking. They were trying to figure out themselves because mm -hmm. I mean that's one of the things that was uh, that that was interesting about this movie is that it was famously mismarketed. Uh, it was marketed very badly. So one of the things that I asked you even before T, even before we started the recording, was that did you see the trailer? Because the trailer made it look like you were you, there, like there were going to be some bugs. Like the trailer made it look like very much so like this is a horror movie about being literally infested and uh, and in and I think that a lot of people were hoping for that or not hoping for that but expecting that and then the movie didn't deliver because I'm. Because to your point, like when you watch the movie, you're like, this isn't a horror movie. Maybe it would have done a lot better if it was marketed as a psychological thriller. And they played up a little bit more of the aspect of this is a, sh a, a, a shared psychosis. Although them themselves in the movie, creators, didn't really play up the, the drug part of it as much as, uh, I mean, for good reason. But um, you can't call it a drug use movie because that's, I mean, that's very clearly what's going on here as well. But it's 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 downplayed because it's not supposed to be the focal point, which I get. <laughs> but then, yeah, I mean, it's hard to fucking market. But yeah, classified. it is it's like a main like catalyst, a... regardless. Oh yeah. I mean, I feel like you can't really do hard drugs and it not be a major reason why things are happening around you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but maybe I'm just a nerd. And you know what? Better uh, time frame to actually do this episode than on 420 of all days. Yeah, great, great. <laughs> how that panned out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and yep, drugs and the nature of reality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Oh, look at that. That worked out so nicely. Uh, but yeah, so this uh, bug actually debuted at Cannes in 2006, and Friedkin actually won an award for his directing. I would go on to gross $8.1 million on a budget of $4 million. Uh, and, you know, just talking about the cast of Bug really quick, you had Ashley Judd, who played Agnes White, uh, who was, you know, this lonely drug addict who uh, was living in this rundown motel. Uh, and, you know, she is grieving because uh, she is suffering from the loss of her child, which was one of kind of like the side plots. Uh, and that actually plays into uh, her ex-husband, who is Harry Conrick Jr. as Jerry Goss, who is uh, basically the abusive ex-husband who is just getting out of prison and trying to uh, reinsert himself back into Agnes's life. Uh, you have Michael Shannon as Peter Evans, who is the unhinged war veteran who becomes close and intimate with Agnes. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of awkward moments between the two and uh, some shared delusions and uh, conspiracy theories getting tossed around quite a bit on the part of Michael Shannon. Uh, and, you know, at one point... You know, when we when you get closer towards the end of the movie, you have that really intense scene between the two where he's like, what don't you know? And then, like, poor Ashley Judd is over here trying to piece together all of the pieces that don't actually fit together. And then they concoct, like, this whole elaborate story about the government and microchips and everything and why her son was taken from her at the grocery store. And it's just... I think we all know someone... Like that, right, in our lives. We all have that one friend or family member who is really into conspiracy theories, spends way too much time on the internet or just browsing whatever subreddit, and they believe everything they read to be factual, and then you just sit there and you're like, what is going on in your mind? 
Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard, though, too. I mean, mm-hmm. not to call myself out as a conspiracy nut. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I was just going to say that it's it's um, it's kind of hard to to um, use logic mm-hmm. or try to use logic with people who are you see like, you know, spiraling out of control right. because there's a lot of really fucked up shit that's come out, you know, mm-hmm. that the government have, has done. Mm hmm. And yeah, it's real like real things where you're like, wow, like if this is true, then anything can be true. Well, the, what's interesting is that, and I, I can't remember exactly, I know he mentioned the Tuskegee Airmen, mm-hmm. but what's interesting is right off the bat, the first two or three conspiracy theories that he mentions are actually real things that actually exist. And I know the Tuskegee Airmen and there were a couple others and it's like, I think the Bilderberg group, and I don't want to be, I'm not a conspiracy theory person, but I'm pretty sure the Bilderberg group is a real thing that actually does exist. It's the group of where all the billionaires get together for a weekend and they all talk about like basically just the, the world and how things, you know, like... I'm thinking of, like, that scene from Sword Married and Ex-Murder. But the, the pentagram. But the, but the, the, the thing queen, is... The some people believe this group gets together to literally control the world in every aspect, and some people believe that it's just a gathering of billionaires who mm-hmm. are First sort of, of basically all, price If, if billionaires... Like they are. It is. Yeah. And that is, right? I mean, like, I feel like that one isn't a conspiracy. It's just, like, that's what rich assholes do, right? <laughs> They're getting together to get richer... And they get richer by abusing other Conspiring people. Conspiring together. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, that's fucking real. Mm-hmm. And so like, and oh, and the one that I was, that I, that blew my mind when I found out was your, like the big one about the CIA moving like drugs into like, oh, you know. Yeah. like you cocaine know, and crack into in the, the inner cities. Uh, city. Yeah. To fund fucking like foreign, like, you know, coups and shit like that. Yep. And, and this movie is definitely, 2006 is a bit early for internet and World Wide Web. It obviously exists, but it's still kind of fresh. But obviously this movie is a little ahead of its time with the conspiracy theories that are prevalent now. Mm-hmm. And it's become such a popular thing now. True, really. true, true. And a lot of the stuff he talks about is still stuff that they believe in and talk about. He didn't talk about lizard people, though. Uh, yeah, see, that's I don't believe in lizard people. Yeah. <laughs> Can I put that put me down for not believing in lizard? And I also want to point out a, a cool little uh, thing. I don't know if you guys picked up on, but the doctor mm-hmm. uh, and the the hospital where Peter stayed that he escaped from, and the doctor mm-hmm. um, are at Groom Lake, which they mention it two or three times in the movie. And Groom Lake is where Area Fifty One is. What? Hmm. Okay. So that I... was like. They were doing a little, even like where Peter supposedly came from conspiracy. is conspiracy related. I totally did not see that. Well, he, this is supposed to be taking place in Oklahoma, right? I think so. They yeah. already said specifically do that. I thought yeah, it's, in, it's I, Oklahoma, but they're actually in Louisiana. Okay. Well, where that. it's shot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, although my, <laughs> they're supposed to be on the middle of nowhere. And and she works at a gay bar that's super popular. I'm like, mm-hmm. I was like, this small town's this small town's pretty cool. Actually, mm. <laughs> like the, the club, even the clubs here aren't that. I know. <laughs> that's pretty great. So like, it used to be full of cool people. Now it's a bunch of professionals. I'm like, I'm oh, sorry. Where do you live? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, so I'll... clearly some were cool, but mm-hmm. you know. 
Uh, so we also have Lynn Collins as RC, who is the uh, the lesbian co-worker that uh, Agnes fools around with and also introduces to Peter Evans. Uh, and then you have Brian uh, O'Burn as Dr. Sweet, who may or may not be a delusion, who is the doctor who is looking for Peter Evans in the movie. Uh, so, okay. He was great. I, I think the best place to start with this is kind of like the breaking point of Agnes, because there's a major event that happens in her life. Uh, and, you know, we, we all have like these defining moments in our life, and not all of them are happy moments or memories. Some of them are tragedy based. Uh, and for Agnes, it was when she was at the grocery store one day with her son Lloyd and Lloyd got lost because Agnes decided to uh, leave Lloyd alone in a shopping cart as she went back to the produce section to grab some onions for, you know, whatever. Uh, and Lloyd went missing, and there's been like this 10-year gap since Lloyd went missing to where we currently are in the timeline for the movie. And I know we had, you know, a little bit of a conversation back and forth, like questioning uh, with Peter, asking Agnes about, you know, when did you stop looking for him? Because, you know, initially she told Peter that she didn't have any kids, uh, which, I mean, I guess technically, uh, maybe she just assumes that, you know, Lloyd is no longer living at this point. So, you know, she just told Peter no, uh, but, you know. Peter still kind of called her out on it uh, after the fact here. And then he, like, tries to, like, kind of, like, poke, uh, you know, further, asking, like, well, do you just assume that, you know, or still think that he's, like, alive or dead? And, you know, she just kind of, like, shoots him away, thinking, like, you know, like, she just wanted to keep thinking about it. Uh, but, you know, that loss of Lloyd is really Agnes's breaking point in this movie, and, you know, it definitely has an impact on her relationship uh, with her ex-husband. Uh, and, you know, they still have that connection. There's still some love there. But, you know, he's he's still leery of uh, this new guy, Peter, who has wandered into his ex-wife's life at this point. And, you know, you kind of have that tension. And even at one point, you, you try to see them, like, trying to get along with one another. But the ex-husband is constantly... Uh, overseeing his welcome at this point. Well, he's got no welcoming. Well, I have to say, like, this is one of my critical parts of the movie is that a uh, critical thing, I thoughts about the movie is that uh, I don't think Harry Connor Jr. did a very good job. I kept, throughout the entire movie, I kept thinking he was Thomas Jane. And then I had to remind myself that it was Harry Connor Thomas Jr. Jane? <laughs> Thomas Jane? Thomas Jane is, uh, he's in a lot of stuff, but he was in The Mist. He's the main character in The Mist. And he, he was the Punisher in one of the Punisher movies. Okay. Well, I kept just remembering him, uh, Harry Connick Jr. from, like, all of, like, his, like, rom-coms. Oh, yeah, rom-coms, yeah. And, like, I, you know, every time he's, like, threatening Ashley Judd or even Michael Shannon, all I could think of was, like, has anybody tried hitting him? Because <laughs> like, I'm not scared of fucking Harry Connick Jr. You come for me, Harry Connick Jr. I dare you. Kind of buffed up. He was a skinny guy, I remember. Back yeah, when he was a when singer. He, was a singer he got, yeah, he got buffed, buffed a little movie. bit. Still doesn't scare me, though. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry I said it. And, you know, I don't know if we're there. And it's like, you know, 
they do show them trying to get together. He's not a bad, totally, they, you think he's going to be like the really tropey, like standard bad yeah. boyfriend, but his interactions even with Peter aren't necessarily that bad. You know, I was thinking about that a lot because it was so weird about how, uh, well, because it is a play, then you have to assume every, every piece of, everything's uh, thought through and, 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 I don't want to say the, the word contrived seems like really negative, but I just mean to say that everything has a significance, right? Right. Everything is, is supposed to lend, uh, blend into something and lend into something. And and so I remember wondering, like, why is he like, like not more, uh, like not more involved in the action, right? And so then, and there was a reviewer who had a really good thought about how, how Michael Shannon's character, Peter Owen, was actually like the bug himself he's like in her home and he's infested her life and whatnot but that aside um i thought to myself like oh you know what's really interesting is that they're both kept inside of this apart or this hotel room mm -hmm. him by the doctor suites and he doesn't want to leave and get caught by him and her by harry connor jr yeah. or I forget his name and it is jerry or something like that right <laughs> Anyway, so uh, uh, like they're they're. I think he's just a device, like Doctor Sweets, to keep them insulated in this like in mm -hmm. in this hole, right? And um, and and so that's his purpose. His purpose is to just make sure like you're not leaving this space. Mm -hmm. And the same that uh, that um, Peter's character has with the uh, you're not leaving the space because yeah. of Doctor Sweets. We definitely yeah, and he is abusive by the way. I just remembered that he does hit her. He hit her, really. yeah. And he's like, whose fault is that? She's like, it's my fault. Yeah, look, that's yeah, look what you made me do. Ugh. You get the sense that he is generally not around, and then he basically just showed up, because I think he said he said he had some reason for being there. Yeah, some there. business like, or something. And he's like, I'm he staying took her money. Here. And so he just kind of showed up because he needed to basically use her for a while right. to do something else. But in terms of the relationship between Jack and uh, what well, I forget her character's name. There's an interesting thing I noticed too, where when they first initially meet and he's showing her the bugs and she's like, I don't see the bugs. There's, yeah. uh, there's no bugs here. And he's like, look, look. And he's trying to show her and then she doesn't see them. And then, you know, supposedly the doctor shows up and maybe the helicopter shows up That's... and he runs away and mm -hmm. she freaks out. And then he comes back and she's like really relieved and happy that he came back. And then when she comes out of the bathroom, she sees a bug on him and picks a bug out and of his head. And it's like right? the helicopters are overhead and like mm -hmm. that scene that you're talking about and the camera's being all wonky. Well, I think that happens during it, but it, yeah. Oh, and, okay. But yeah, after... it's like that's that's her, her, her turning point. I like mm -hmm. what you would call it the end of like act one, basically saying like she's giving herself over to mm -hmm. the Now to she's the, part the of the delusion. Now yeah. she's part of the delusion, yeah. And she sees the bugs, which is a thing. That is a real thing. I yeah, there's a name to it. Addicts, oh, they really? experience that. I, I remember reading about it uh, where they... Uh, Meth can cause crystallizing under the skin, which causes itching and makes them think that there's like bugs and Whoa. things crawling under their yeah, skin. Yeah, it's, it's primarily like spiders or like snakes. Mm -hmm. Wow. And uh, so that is, yeah, like a real kind of thing that people get. And he clearly, you know, was 
partaking. I mean, we know he was doing that to himself. Like when he showed, remember when he pulls his shirt up and he mm-hmm. says, like, look with the bugs. I mean, you can clearly see that he's been scratching himself, you know, and he's saying that the bugs are doing it. And then also, like, that's to keep, I mean, I want to keep giving credit for any ideas that I get from another reviewer, right? In that same review, I think it was called, like, These Movies or something. Um, he, uh, the guy points out how when he's also filmed from the back and how his back is clean. Yeah, there's nothing. It's on all the where back. he can, yeah. like all up front. It's all where he's... he can see and like touch. Yeah, and he has that freak out where he does. Yeah, and that's where you see how his, his back is clean. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was interesting. So what you're saying is he needed a back scratcher to like really fully commit. Really get at those bugs, man. How are you supposed yeah. to get rid of those bugs? They're just gonna hide on your back. And. I don't, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much, but if we want to start talking about like what's real as we kind of, as it goes on, once she kind of gets through the first act and she accepts the, she becomes part of it and, and they become a couple and they're there. And, uh, with the, with the mic- microscope, is that <laughs> yeah, the microscope is so great that he had well, the whole lab kit. It's such a, it's such a great, um, what do you call it? Uh, Prop, right? Because mm-hmm. it's such a great prop to see. Like these guys are crazy. They're they're using these ch- this child's mi- you know microscope to try to determine these big world conspiracies that only they can know. And and it's um and I know that you were saying how like they were doing like or smoking crack, but I mean essentially it's the same sort of. Um, they could have been smoking meth. It's hard to say. Yeah, but I mean like ultimately it's like when you when you. I haven't been around that kind of addiction myself, but that's how it's always portrayed anyway, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, but when you remove the addiction, then you just see like sort of the, ooh, maybe that's it, you know? Like uh, I think we're also easy to discard people that we feel are addicts and are are not. I don't know, like that that you know, like oh well, they brought this on themselves. There's that that sort of like weird, you know, morally, you know, blind thing that people have about about people with addiction. Mm-hmm. And, and homelessness. And so to remove those pieces and to just see, like, this is what's happening to two people. Mm-hmm. And, like, don't think about the drugs. Don't think about that. I mean, like, these are people who are going through um, horrible tra- tragedies in their life, mental health issues, mm-hmm. and this is how their lives are devolving. And they're just like you and me, if, if we really think about it. Well, there you go. I just, sorry, I just kind of realize that right now. And interestingly, just to throw in really quickly with what you're saying, the, the way they depicted it, they do do a lot of drugs. You see them, like, snorting mm-hmm. drugs. It could be meth or cocaine. Um, probably the way the fact that they don't have a lot of money and where they live, it's probably meth more mm-hmm. likely than cocaine. And, and it's also 2005, it. so maybe, mm-hmm. who knows, right? But what's interesting is that the drugs are also not... Like, it's very clear that mm-hmm. it, mental illness is the... Is oh, to me, it felt like mental illness was more what was going on than right. the drug use. The way it was depicted, you know, True. the drug use just sort of exacerbated the problem, you know. But, sorry, I, it seemed like you were about to say. So I didn't mean to interrupt. You no, I'm just say. saying. Like, I I completely agree with that. Like, yeah, the drugs were uh, they were there, but they weren't as prevalent as much as a lot of the mental issues. Uh, since mm-hmm. Peter Evans was schizophrenic. Uh, but, like, even if you, like, remove the drug element of it, just the way that his character was laid out, he would have been able to, you know, construct the story to help feed into the shared delusions uh, with Agnes's character. So, regardless of if she is an addict or not, he still would have found a way to 
you know, construct this story to why Lloyd was missing and, you know, the whole government conspiracy going on and her being the queen bug or whatever. Queen uh, mother bug. <laughs> oh, but man, it's 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 a definite turn. Uh, but I will say, I don't think I've ever been in a situation where, you know, I get a pizza delivered and I was like, oh, let me put this under the microscope. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. They were dismantling the pizza. Well, that's so you know it's like hard drugs because they mm. otherwise would have eaten that pizza. <laughs> yeah, 100%. I'm like, have you had food in like the last four days? Just eat the pizza. <laughs> but she's like, I don't think that's clean. Oh my God, that was good. And of course, you know, you get the doctor showing up. That was Who takes some hits off the pipe while he's hanging out. Yeah, and you're like, is this real? And he's like, touche. Well, I feel like he was not real at all. No, he couldn't have been, right? Well, Jerry, earlier in a movie, uh, during the whole abuse scene, uh, was telling Agnes that, you know, he's uh, he's gotten a bit of a sweet tooth. And here you have Dr. Sweet being the name of uh, the doctor who shows up, who just so happens to be looking for Peter Evans. Yeah. Yeah, Look at that. Definitely. And just the way he acts. Yeah. And, <laughs> and he he's the one who also says Groom Lake, which is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. conspiracy. So he's almost everything he does is kind conspiracy. of reinforces their delusion and it's part of their delusion. Not to mention that he like also sort of puts in her mind the idea of like, I can help you with Lloyd. Mm-hmm. I know where he's at. So he's feeding everybody's delusions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Super interesting. The fact that he, yeah, that's where you really know he's not real is when he starts telling her that he can help her find her son. I know that, like, some people were talking about how, like, oh, you don't know what's real. But I always felt like when I watched this movie, even the first time that I watched it, you know, you, I immediately got the sense that the bugs were not real. I immediately got the sense that, you know, he, he wasn't part of a big government experiment and uh, and I and I still t- I mean even now like some some reviews are like oh what's real what's not I'm like no 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 that's this is real that's not real mm-hmm. <laughs> like I, I feel very clear about what's real and what isn't but uh, honestly the Doctor Sweets one is one that's probably good for me to to sort of play with because that's one of them oh initially when I watched the movie I didn't catch a lot of those little tidbits mm-hmm. and so um, I thought he was real but then watching it again I was like oh. It might not be real. So I, that's pretty fun to sort of throw back and forth. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, of course the story is meant to, I think, make you sort of question the right. reality of It's a play. That's, that's what happening. they do. Mm-hmm. And I even, you know, started questioning was, did she actually have a kid? Um, it was there a kid? Part of me makes, the part that makes me think there wasn't a kid is that, when they show the scenes of the shopping mall or the, know, the, the grocery store, the cart is 100% empty. There's yeah. nothing in it. Oh. And I thought, like, there would be, like, a blanket or maybe toys. Of or, the kids, other vegetable, or other vegetables. Yeah, she, she would have gone in for something other than just onions. Because, <laughs> yeah, because if they were, if she's shopping with the kid, there'd be stuff and and they would just grab the kid and run away, you know? It wouldn't mm-hmm. be 100% empty. But then on the other hand, we saw the boyfriend. There's a part where you see like a little tricycle with oh, like a baby's yeah. clothes on it. And he picks up the baby's clothes and smells it. And so I, I was like, oh, well, that kind of confirms that the baby <laughs> was real. Son, yeah. But then I was like, but is, is he real? Like, is the boyfriend real? Like, right. is he actually a, 
a real thing. Good point. And then it gets to the point where it's like, is is even Michael Shannon's character real? Is she alone in that room? Ooh, that's, that's, that's the one I was struggling with the most because there are defi- def- definitely points in the movie uh, where, you know, in a situation where, you know, Lloyd did go missing and she hasn't really known how to cope with the grief uh, other than, you know, just doing hard drugs for, you know, these 10 years. Uh, like... If she was infested, quote, uh, you know, she could have, like, started to gain these more, like, suicidal tendencies, uh, you know, because of her her grievance status. So there were times where, you know, we don't really see Peter, and this plays into uh, later when the, the doctor, quote, is introduced, where he just isn't present, you know, and then just suddenly appears to attack the doctor. So, like, it feels like they had a situation where you could easily construe that... Uh, Agnes had split personalities. You had the one that was more violent, uh, who, which would be Peter in this case, who was very self-destructive. And, you know, we, we saw how that ended. Uh, unfortunately, you know, everything kind of goes up in flames, which was very, very, such a sour ending. Uh, but, but, you know, it could not have ended any other way for just the path that they were going down. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and that was, I mean, I didn't see it coming. But then when you, when it's there, you're like, yeah, yeah. They even had like you know the the, the gas tank that was introduced, mm-hmm. and that you don't want. And that's so interesting because you know usually when they introduce such a big device like that, you know exactly what it's going to be used for, and mm-hmm. um, and it's almost like very rubbing it in your face, and you're like, oh, here it comes. <laughs> Here's a monkey with a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, the little throwback to phenomena. <laughs> but <laughs> sorry, I just remember that you forgot the game altogether. You're like, and the monkey comes back with the switchblade. So, right? The monkey kills the antagonist. Well, you know, they, they introduced the gas tank, and I mean, there's so much craziness going on that I didn't even, I did not consider that they were going to douse themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you consider that they're going to try to burn something down, but you, I didn't imagine that it would be their space, right? Mm. And um, and yeah, that was jarring. And it happened pretty quickly, too, within like a, a minute or two, two minutes tops. No, less. I mean, between them taking off their clothes, like kneeling in front of each other, dousing themselves and, you know, lighting that match. I, I don't think it was more than a minute. Yeah. So that, that was really quick. And that like that. And that's, of course, the big old gut punch. So spoiler alert. Is it a little hurt if you do it after the fact? Spoiler: Everyone dies in the end. <laughs> but did not Harry Connick Jr. Yeah, did we see what happened to Harry Connick Jr.? Now he can, goes on to marry some young chick and do it all over again because he's an asshole. <laughs> he could have definitely been a real person at one time, but all his inner actions in the movie were uh, oh, that's imaginary right. Version. I was you guys i i didn't do i didn't check this out but i remember reading in in one of the one of the reviews or maybe i I saw in one of the youtube reviews that apparently there's like a little like easter not easter egg but there's a little last scene in the credits did you guys stay to watch the credits no i was watching the beginning of it but i turned it off the credits yeah can't say that and uh because i'd already watched it but when uh, when I was there's a post credits. Yeah, I think there's one where it makes it look like nothing actually happened in the hotel room. It was all just a oh, dream. Right. 
or in her head, like you guys mm-hmm. are saying. And I remember going like, oh, I should go back and check that out. And I kind of forgot. Any chance it. you have it on you, T? Do you want to do you want to go do through you, the credits? What do what, I mean, I could build it up. Is that possible? Nice. Uh, yeah, nice. I, I, uh, I just so have good. to make sure I mute. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't want to get copyright strike for <laughs> playing audio. Uh, but yeah, no, um, Michael, young Michael Shannon. I looked in. This was one of. He's been around for a long time. He has. He really has. He, he worked his way up because wow. his first like several years of acting are where it's like boy, oh. man number two. Man, oh wow, you know, he really like, has earned it then. Totally, and this was one of his early. Uh, you really well. I thought he was really amazing. That's the thing, you know. Like you, we talked about this in other movies where. Um, you put really good actors next to really soft actors, mm-hmm. and you're like, "Ooh, it's kind of ruining the scene." Mm-hmm. And um, no, they were both good. Yeah. Well, I, I was talking about Harry Connor Jr. Sorry, oh, yeah. Harry. And then um, <laughs> our the, the friend RC was also kind of soft. I recognized her. I didn't look her up, but I she's, recognized she's, her. Yeah, she's, she's been around. Stuff, yeah. But I mean, I thought Ashley Judd did so well because mm-hmm. she does this really. She's got this really good way of being really natural. In, in all of uh, all of the roles mm-hmm. that she does, and I mean here she's you know she's playing portraying a woman who's you know uh, doing making a lot of bad decisions and mm-hmm. and who's also you know impoverished and all this and other stuff and and I mean I don't know what her life is like but I know that she you know grew up with the Judds and so grew up with money and stuff right mm-hmm. so like I guess my point that I'm trying to make is that I thought like. She, she just had such a really good natural way of, of portraying the, the mm-hmm. character that you really like. I bought in right away, mm-hmm. and then like uh, the way that she escalates, I really liked. I mean, okay. her final. So I, she... I pulled up the scene. Yeah. Uh, you, you do, yeah. You see the room. It is tinfoil. It's got the whole setup, but like the room mm-hmm. is intact. As in, there's no fire, or yeah, like there's no fire. Up. Are there but... any characters or anything? Nope. It just shows the empty room. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, I heard something that uh, that was also brought up in another video that uh, the fire actually was a little out of control and everybody had to run out. Oh, when they were filming. When they were filming. <laughs> so the end scenes where yeah. uh, the fire going, the camera kind of pans up and out. That was from people running away. <laughs> and they thought it was cool, so they kept it. So I thought that was pretty neat. Yeah, so oh. they, they actually filmed that, like, on the last day of the film shoot. It was supposed to be 20 days. Uh, oh. But they had to extend it an extra day because of that. <laughs> and this was in a high school, by the way. This mm-hmm. was all... For the set. Yeah, kid in high school. And on top of that, here's a really cool tidbit. The stage design, I think, right? The guy who was in charge of stage design, did you see that? Is the same guy who did Hostel. Oh, nice. Pretty cool. So that the pedigree behind this movie is really high. Yeah. Like it's it's a really like this movie was supposed to be, I think, a lot more. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's hard to say why it didn't make it quite there. I'm going to blame Harry Connick Jr. one last time. Um, <laughs> I know they. I remember when they put this movie out, they pushed. William Friedkin's involvement mm-hmm. a lot as like this is his movie, you know, and it was kind of like you know The Exorcist, like, <laughs> the Exorcist. 
And also, I have to point out, he did the uh, un- very underrated Exorcist 3, mm-hmm. which is a, a much better movie than people give it credit for. Is that the one with the guy in the insane asylum or in the mm-hmm. prison for the mentally unstable yeah. woman? Yeah, this yeah. one has Brad Dorf. Yeah, Brad Dorf is possessed by the, the demon. That's good shit. That's a good one. It's a really good one. <sighs> and also, not to get too much of a downer on here, but this was. Uh, Ashley Judd is pretty much the first main big person to call out Harvey Weinstein. That's right. And it happened basically at this time. Mm-hmm. And this, and she had been blackballed from Hollywood. And <gasps> that's right. She basically was like, "Hey, like I got blackballed because I wouldn't hook up with Harvey Weinstein." And people were kind of at that time were kind of like, "What? Whatever." Like nobody was really paying attention to it and it was well before the whole yeah. me too movement but she uh, she was the one who kind of kicked it all off she yeah. was like the one of the first major people to say hey like i got blackballed in hollywood because That's of right. this situation and i think if i'm not mistaken this movie is among her last movies basically that she made in hollywood Hmm. Maybe I haven't really like you know taken a look at a. But she may come back since is the thing. Oh, I but, see what you mean. Yeah, in terms I mean, of like yeah, her initial blackballing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But in you know, showing that she can definitely be a real actor. Like it's not Absolutely. you know because of any acting skills. And yeah, she had a really sad upbringing too, and mm-hmm. just, oh. I would compare this movie felt a lot to me. Like it felt like two things to mm-hmm. me a lot. Uh and Nancy. Oh okay. <laughs> if you've ever seen that like movie about tragic. Sid Vicious and yeah. Nancy Sponge in that kind of locked in a hotel room together yeah. on drugs, just degenerating together kind of wow. thing. Yeah. And then also Jacob's Ladder kind of reminded me a Actually, lot. Actually, yeah, that's a really good point. I hadn't really put that together. And, uh, and, you know, you kind of have the military thing and the helicopter thing and the drugs and what's real and not real and that whole kind of thing. This movie could have used a uh, tub full of ice, though. That would have been a nice touch. <laughs> I mean, were they helicopters or was that just the aliens? We don't know. Aliens in yeah. helicopters. Yeah. Ooh, even better. Why would they have helicopters? I don't know. Yeah, like uh, government helicopters. I'm not going to do your homework for you. <laughs> <laughs> you write your own script. Yeah, all, all I know is uh, the conclusion for what was actually going on, according to, you know, piecing all the pieces together, uh, was that Agnes's son, Lloyd, was kidnapped by the government to lead uh-huh. Agnes to Peter. Yes. Both of them... Were individually infected with bugs. Get and another piece. Yeah, and uh, meant to mate uh-huh. with each other to like take yeah. take over the world or some shit. Like it's yeah. <laughs> it's just like wait what? <laughs> and the bugs are tracking you, of course. Of course. Technology. Oh, I was um I saw I was gonna say I wrote an article I wrote the headline of it and then I moved on. About how, and I don't know how true this is, but just a piece of like that people that uh, are really that really buy into conspiracy theories are just you know they wanna they wanna have something special going on in the world and and maybe I mean like that's something that's pretty obvious, right? 
And to think that she wants to find a reason why her son was taken other than a simple, you looked away for 30 seconds Mm -hmm. and somebody just picked him up and took him. There's got to be this big conspiracy as to why you're in so much pain. Finding explanations for things. There has to be an explanation how it isn't your fault. Yeah. Well, and it's like the, it's like the, um, you know, like the JFK shooting. It's Mm -hmm. like... This horrible tragedy happens, and there's no real explanation, and yeah. so people start trying to fill in the blanks. And it was just one with crazy conspiracy dude. theories. And when I was trying, because I was also, I believe this movie is definitely trying to make a statement and sort of be a metaphor for something. But I was kind of having a hard time figuring out maybe what they were trying to say. But I did kind of feel like part of when I was like looking at it was you get that kind of. With conspiracy theory people, the echo chamber thing of where they just cluster together and just say their theories to each other and pass theories back and forth. And then it just becomes this circular thing where it's just you live in a world of conspiracy theories. Oh, my God. I'm so close to being a conspiracy theorist. Because all I could think of was like, you mean like skewels? Because, I mean, that's that's very human nature, though, is to like sort of uh, group. Mm-hmm. And particularly with people that are, you know, like-minded in some way, right? So it's, it's. I just feel like, you know, our just, the psychology of, of being human just kind of lends itself to conspiracy theories. See, you say like-minded, but then I just go hive-minded. See, you're just confirming oh. that we're all bugs in this case. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> nice. oh man. Yeah, that's, yeah, like, that's a microchip talking. <laughs> And it passes like an infection from person to person. Mm-hmm. Ooh, look at us. They're so smart. I love this. And, and definitely there's that kind of toxic relationship thing in the movie, too, where they are just these two, like, kind of broken people who have come together and then are just, like, really bad for each other. Mm-hmm. They're just both amplifying like right. the worst parts of each other. Well everybody is everybody else in their lives. Well I don't I don't know about so much about Peter's life, but I know everybody else is in her life is trying to get her to heal and to move on mm-hmm. and to just be part of the world. And here's a guy who's like, no man, let's get holed up in this hotel, mm-hmm. do a bunch of drugs and just really think hard about all the horrible things in our lives and why they're not our fault. And like you know, when somebody is really in that in that space, that that's that's all they want to do is just sort of lose themselves in the, mm-hmm. that in, depression. The, in, in the depression of it. Because like even before Agnes kind of like bought into uh, the, the delusion with Peter, uh, you know, when he's constantly bringing up the bugs to her initially, uh, you know, there's a conversation. Where she's like, well, I'd rather have you here and be listening to you talking about bugs than ha- having, like, nobody and then talking yeah, about well, nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh. Is, that's why, I mean, that's what's so tough sad. about this movie and why it's not, you know, as successful as it could be. Because it's so, it's too, it's real, it's dark in a real way. And there's yeah. no, like happy resolution or you know i like how you say that too like it's dark in a real way it's not like some fantasy kind of you know horror it's more like this could be you it it wouldn't take much to put you in this position two years well and there are people there are many people in real life who are in that position right Mm -hmm. now who live in that position 
And yeah, I mean, it's people are not, I think the average, especially if you market this movie as a straight up horror movie, people are going to yeah. watch it and just be like, oh God. Oh this God. Is Can you imagine if you're like, oh, there's a movie about little creepy, creepy crawlers in your skin and it's going to be blah. And you're like, gross. It's going to be great. Like creep shows, you know, like creep shows. <laughs> and you take all your friends and you buy a bunch of pop and you spend a shit ton of money. And then next thing you know, you're crying your eyes out. Yeah. Calling your mom to pick you up from this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and it makes sense. Being a play, you can suspect that this oh, is going to be more yes. psychological. Than this is so play-like. <laughs> Even before I knew it was a play, I was like this. I mean, I remember, I, you, you can just feel it when you see a movie like this. Like, remember the big kahuna? The one with Kevin Spacey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, that one also, like, you're like, oh, if it takes place in only two yeah. settings that are right next to each other, it's a play. Mm. If uh, if <laughs> if people are trying to trying hard to sound normal, uh-huh. it's a play. <laughs> so yeah, but I mean, I really like plays. <laughs> and I didn't see what he wanted. The writer won a he's a Pulitzer Prize winner too, yeah. really? but I didn't see what. It was for. Was it for this? Yeah, not for him. No, for no, it was, it was one of the other plays that he did. Mm-hmm. Which is pretty cool. Well, like I said, you know, I really, really liked the movie. Um, I do think that it was supposed to be better than it was, just because of all the different elements that were brought together. You know, sometimes the cupcake comes out all right, and sometimes it doesn't, right? Uh, I mean, the, this was throwing a lot of magic in a cauldron, and, you know, you got a pretty good mixture out, but it wasn't like this big over-the-top thing that I think they were expecting. And honestly, there's a million reasons why, right? And I'm not even sure I see all of them because I'm not an expert. I'm just an idiot on YouTube. Maybe you're not seeing them because you didn't share in the full delusion. Are you saying I should smoke something? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it is a day for it. Yeah, what was, uh, when I also, I have to point out, too, that when I looked this up on YouTube, there was, like, sometimes on the right, on Google, there will be, like, one review blurb, mm-hmm. and uh, the the one single review blurb, blurb that was sitting there was something along the lines of, all I could think of when I was watching this movie is conspiracy theories and Q. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah. How we're just, yeah, which is you know we're definitely living. This movie is ahead of its time in terms of the popularity of conspiracy theories. Well, it just goes to show that you know if you if you are if if you're the kind of this is really too gen- generalizing, but basically like that for some people that might be into cons- conspiracy theories, it's just well, it's hard to tell them no because there's been so much fucked up shit right. that turned out to be true. But then on the other hand, it's like you know it's it's. I don't know, like, you know, if you've got a, a full life and, and you're doing your own shit and you're not looking at this shit nonstop, that these are not things you think about that much. Mm-hmm. It's the people that maybe don't have a lot going on and because they're sad and depressed and whatnot. Well, I mean, it's... it's, it's I, I will say, like, in regards to, like, conspiracy theories, you know, one of the things that makes the movie so disturbing is just the fact that, you know, regardless of how ridiculous something may seem to you, regardless of what your beliefs are... Uh, there's always the potential for something to be true. Sure, it might not be to, like, the fullest extent, because, you know, a lot of times in these conspiracy theories, uh, details get blown out of proportion, and yes, some of that is because of how many times the theory gets retold and kind of, like, evolved over the course of time. 
but it's just that 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 notion that there is always that possibility and it just makes you wonder mm-hmm. yeah that's the thing i mean and i feel like um i always think about like how much does it affect your life kind of mm-hmm. is it true or not <laughs> i mean there's some stuff where like okay so the whole pizza gate not true because it's fucking ridiculous like why <laughs> why right and the whole um what was it? The other one, uh, the with the COVID vaccine, which was um, well, they're trying to track you, and I'm yeah, like, no, they they've been nice. tracking you. They know everything. Mm-hmm. Like they have, and by they, I mean well, uh, just data you gatherers, through. phone through your, your fucking phone, phone. Yeah, phone. that's mm-hmm. fucking put down for more than two seconds. You know, it's just uh, it's just it's it, it, it. This movie depicts it as well, and I think it's what. It's what's happening in the real world and in this movie is where cons- it's all fine and good, like to sort of dabble in conspiracy theories and look at them. It's when you go down the rabbit hole yeah. too deep and you really start getting into it that it starts getting dangerous and it starts affecting your mind in bad ways, which I think in real life, yeah, it's like, you know, if you get too much into that stuff, the problem is when you get too far into it, it get you get into the realm where anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, lizard people or, or whatever. It's just like literally any pos- anything you can think of could possibly be a real conspiracy. What's you know? the craziest conspiracy you believe? That I believe? Oh, <laughs> that's a hard question. Um, I don't know. Like, well, we were talking about the, the group of billionaires that control the, the Oh, I mean, that. that's definitely true. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm fairly sure that is like a real thing. Like, it's I think they actually even... Because, I mean, why wouldn't it be? Because all we're talking about is, let's talk likelihood, right? Mm-hmm. We're just talking about a couple of people getting together and having a chat that benefits them. And having so, the poor yeah. fight to the death. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For their entertainment. I mean, I like when you got enough money, you can make anything happen, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, definitely. There's definitely like, I mean, not to get too dark, but the whole human trafficking. Oh, like, yeah, that's wealthy, huge. Like wealthy, super Fuck wealthy yes. people and human trafficking and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Definitely, I think. Oh, here's a here's a good one. So remember how you told me that you watched Fresh? On yes. Hulu? Mm-hmm. I watched it. Loved it, by the way. Mm-hmm. Was it's good. I um, it's about a cannibal, and that's all I'm gonna say. But uh, uh you should watch it. It's on it's on Hulu. But uh, the conspiracy there, and I'm just going to blow it out, I guess, uh, is that there is a group of super rich cannibals mm-hmm. who buy human flesh mm-hmm. and eat it up, cook it up, eat it up. And uh, the movie's really great. The, the psycho has a really good taste in music, too. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, I mean, like, that doesn't seem so crazy to me. It's like, no, I, I'm a if you're rich be- and evil, yeah, you're going to eat some people. I'm a firm believer in the idea that if somebody can afford to pay for something, then there will be a market for that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? So if, if like I'm avocado. willing to pay a million dollars for X, Y, or Z, there will be someone who will sell me X, Y, or Z for a million dollars. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. And it doesn't even take like a million dollars. Yeah. I bet it takes like in the movie 30 grand. Mm-hmm. Is that what it was? Mm-hmm. I mean, for the dish. But you'll you'll look what, what look at yeah, yeah you'll 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 see it it's it's definitely <laughs> entertaining. But oh, this this did get dark. Maybe we should pull it back and end the show. <laughs> I do want to point out in terms of uh, bug getting back to bug uh, that uh, 
you know, I like when they kind of switched it into the extremely stylized view where mm-hmm. it, they did they did the whole teal and orange color yeah. scheme. Which, if you want to talk conspiracy, real conspiracy theories, look up teal and orange and just do a little bit of searching around about that idea. Blue, and either blue and orange or teal and orange. What is this about? Orange. What are you talking about? There's a very real... It's just the... Um, it's like it's sort of like the ten ten conspiracy. If you look at clocks, <laughs> conspiracy. If you look at clocks in ads or things like that, the the clock face will always be set to ten ten. But what's the conspiracy behind them? Um, well, the conspiracy is just sort of why they speculation oh, about see. why they okay. put that. I'm really into teal and pink. But teal and orange is in Hollywood is like everywhere. It's like every movie poster, everything. Teal and pink. Mm-hmm. Totally fine. I'm not gonna kill anybody. <sighs> but yeah, not today. But that's it's a that's like a movie poster thing. It's like a Hollywood color thing. Hmm. I would not have guessed that. But anyway, so we had our we had our downer of a movie uh, this week, which was still entertaining. Had a good time with it, <laughs> and uh, you know, next week we're gonna have a bit more fun. Uh, with a B movie, like a literal B movie, not just talking like B grade movie. We're talking uh, Stun, which was released in 2015, which is about killer wasps. Nice. And this you was Japanese Hornets, <laughs> uh, which was directed by Benny Diaz, uh, which. Uh, it's a pretty, it, it's, it's one of the, like, horror comedies, uh, and it's a creature creature, and it should be a good time. Nice. Nice. I have not seen that. So me either, I'm excited. first viewing for me. And I just think it was hilarious, because we had the, remember the, the large Japanese hornets that were, the killer hornets, Those, or whatever, yeah. the murder hornets? Yeah, murder hornets. Oh, like, that was, like, our own little bee movie. I never even saw one. I'm a little disappointed. I mean, I'm glad I didn't see one, but I kind of wanted to see one. Mm-hmm. The killer bees are always supposed to be invading. Ooh, always mm. looming. We always hear, like here in, in California, that we always would hear about the African killer bees are on their way here. <laughs> I'm not sure. But they never showed up, though. Yeah. So I don't know. Some conspiracy theories just kill themselves. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, well. Maybe they got sidetracked. Be- yeah. <laughs> you just saved me from making a really bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say it, and then you said it, and then I was like, oh, perfect opportunity. <laughs> well, if you think it's bad, don't say it. You can tell me after we're done recording. <laughs> yeah, you can just type it in Discord. <laughs> and then uh, I will we'll just silently judge you. Uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, that was a Bug release in 2006. Uh, directed... By the Exorcist director, William Friedkin. Stage design from the guy from Hostel. Yeah. <laughs> a play that ran a bunch of years. And starring Zod. Mm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Zod. General Zod from Superman. <laughs> I mean, I got that. So, okay, again, just a reminder, next week, Stun, released in 2015, directed by Benny Diaz. Make sure you guys watch it ahead of time, or watch it after you listen to the episode. You know, whichever. Uh, both are good in that case, but uh, I'm definitely going to go check out the trailer for Bug after we wrap up the recording, just so I can see how exactly they marketed the movie. 
because uh, oh, by, the, by yeah. the sound of it, it it's it. By the way, you were describing it, it seems like more of what they did with Action. the perfection. I oh yes, and I I'm just so bummed because it's the end of the episode, and yes, it's over. But I wanted to say we forgot to talk about the saddest sex scene ever filmed. But let's we'll have to leave that for another day. Michael Shannon was naked a lot in this movie. Oh, it was a lot of dog. <laughs> That's how you know it's art. Mm. It kept, some, of it, some of it reminded me of Austin Powers. You remember that scene in Austin Powers where they would cleverly like oh, mask yeah. the dog? Mm-hmm. They were doing that a lot in this movie. It was pretty funny. And did you guys like me try to see if you could just catch it? You're like, like, I think I saw. I think I saw some. I saw a little bit of pink flesh. I'm pretty sure that was Dong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. It's a good way to end it. <laughs> On that note, see, at least we've got to find something positive okay. out of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. If, if, that, that, was, that was before they doused themselves in, uh, in gasoline. <laughs> and then I stopped myself. You're really good at catching yourself. It's pretty neat. That's like, eh, Oh, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I don't have a filter, so I don't have to deal with that. So whatever terrible jokes I say will live on forever. But anyways, uh, if you guys are looking to contact the show, of course, you can do so a couple of different ways. Uh, you can find us over on YouTube at Handa with Scare Pod. We have our Twitter page at Handa with Scare. Uh, if you want to reach out to us via email, you can do so at Handa with Scare Pod at gmail.com. And of course... Uh, you can find all of our information on our website at handlewithscarepod.com. So with that being said, guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Twitch for episode number 56, talking all about bug release in 20, or 2006. I've been your host, Tumbly Drunk, joined, as always, by my co-hosts, Holly Hooch and John, and we'll see you guys hopefully tomorrow for Puppet Master 2. But if not, then we'll see you next week when we talk stun. You guys take care and have a good night.